this is KB Sane. Welcome to the Black Theater History Podcast, where we seek to celebrate the people, the plays, and the rich stories of the American theater's African-American history makers. Woody King, a director and producer of work for both the stage and the screen, is the founding artistic director of the New Federal Theater in New York City. He is a longtime hero of mine and of many of my friends and colleagues. When I was last in New York, Woody agreed to sit down with me and we spent nearly an hour talking about all things theater. I'm pleased to share some of those highlights here. He began by offering me a concise description of the New Federal Theater, and then we went on to discuss New Federal's work and its audiences and societal impacts on the theater that Woody produces. New Federal Theater is 47 years old, and we produced maybe three, 400 plays in those 47 years, and uh, no other uh, theater has produced as many plays by African Americans and women than the New Federal Theater in the history of uh, New York Theater. That's right. New Federal has a great audience, so <laughs> we, it's built up over the years. You and, know. and you have an audience that expects to be educated in some way, I think more so than simply entertained. I, I, your audiences are willing to be challenged in a way that some other companies don't have that audience. Which other companies don't have that audience? No, they don't have an audience that's willing to be um, educated or to be challenged in the room. Yeah, but, you know, when you say some other theaters, I don't know any. Every theater has a built-in audience. And very much endemic to the work of that company. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't change. That's why it's so racist. They aren't going to let you in because their audience is not going to be receptive to your work. I'm, I'm curious about the direction that you just went are there works that you feel like you can't produce for your audience? Yes. Could you give me examples? There are playwrights who I just love their work as young playwrights. They are writing about hip-hop, and my audience do not involve themselves in hip-hop. The story now behind it is a story that everybody can relate to, but when they see them rap and they hip-hop, they're not interested mm-hmm. in that. Mm-hmm. And hip-hop artists don't go to theater. They don't attend. They're not going to pay the money. Mm-hmm. Okay. The other kind of plays, really gay-themed plays that are graphic. The, I just know these brilliant writers, man. But if, if they have the actual act on stage to define graphically what they're going through, the audience won't buy it. Have you, have you tried a piece like that that was unsuccessful? There's no sustained success in a nonprofit. Well, that's true. And no, no. It's, what happens is there's a whole critical establishment in New York. In New York, um, if you had done The Connection in 1958, the critical establishment was not going to buy Jack Yelder, mm-hmm. buy drugs and all that. They weren't going to buy Edward Albee. That's why he went to Berlin. That's why he did a zoo story in Berlin. Mm-hmm. Because they are not ready to accept that. The Dole story in um, zoo, zoo story. Zoo story. Mm-hmm. Peter's yeah, monologue. Accept that, you know? That's very true. You may notice a third voice of agreement or reaction in this recording. Woody and I were joined by Salelo Murray de Castillo, a South African playwright, director, and producer with whom Woody has often worked. 
Our conversation as a group turned to the diversity inherent in both our American and South African theaters and how perceptions of that diversity impact how we approach our work. This then led to Woody sharing how he began developing New Federal's theater canon. I later will ask Woody about the New Federal Theater's mission statement and about the company's commitment to artists of color and to women. So Layla, however, began this part of our conversation by explaining. You see, the, 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 the main thing that I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about in terms of theater uh, internationally, uh, I want to see if somehow down the line we can break this stereotype mentality of black theater, white theater. Mm -hmm. Theater is theater. It should be theater. Yeah. Uh, good stories must be written uh, for all audience. And when disparate audiences experience the same story and realize the commonality, then we begin to heal yes. in those ways. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the adjectives get in our way sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely, you're dead on TV. It's like, get, look, you know, color and, like, for years, my objective in, in getting into theater was out of music. You know, if you look at the great singers, blues singers, I don't know if you know a lot of blues that I'm talking about. Sun House, uh, Muddy Waters, James Brown. Mm -hmm. These are artists, and if you look at the audience, man, they just go crazy. Smokey Robinson, people go crazy. And they're with them. And they're with them. And so I'm saying, if I could get 25 of Smokey's songs, 25 of James Brown's songs, and put a cast around it mm. to act it, sing it, choreograph it, and do it. Then I said, oh, okay. You did it with Baraka? The audience, no, no, you did it with Color Girls. Oh, it goes through the ceiling. Right. You know, all it is, 23 poems. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, but they're very human poems. In a way that Baraka was oh, really challenging a whole bunch of different things. No, 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 Bar Baraka's 25 poems, James Brown's 25 songs, you know, goes from, you know, uh, Say It Loud, I'm Black and I'm Proud, Hot Pants, right on through. It's a, it's only three minutes. A poem is only three to five minutes. So you can only be pissed off three to five minutes. Then something <laughs> else comes along. You're dancing, you know. For, for an 18-year-old or 19-year-old who doesn't have any concept of New Federal Theater, what would you want them to know about why it was founded and how it has stayed relevant? Well, I think it was founded because there was no place up until that time African-Americans who came out of historic black colleges could come into New York and get a showcase in a leading role and show how good they were and are. And in order um, to do that, writers like Andrew Zaki, actors like Denzel Washington, 
actors like Morgan Freeman, actors like Sam Jackson and his wife Latonya Jackson, and uh, Chadwick Boseman, all these people uh, came through and worked at New Federal and got major, major reviews in the New York Times and everywhere else, mm -hmm. and they were put on a kind of national visibility. It wasn't like when I came up. I came out of college, I couldn't I couldn't act in no plays in Michigan with white women on the stage with me. I had to do my monologues, I had to do whatever. So that's how I learned stage management, because I could learn other things. Okay, so that's the same thing that happened with uh, South Africa. South African artists had to create within themselves and then they had to get into New York on an international stage. So they got into New York, they got into London, they got into San Francisco, they got into Los Angeles, and wow, Zakes Makar, all those actors who came mm -hmm. through there, Anthony Fugard, who came through there, you know, um, the market theater in South Africa started embracing these South African artists, and I think it was a kind of national pushback. Since the denial was so great, the national pushback, the walls had to fall. Mm -hmm. Okay, now, what I would tell a young African-American artist, do not try to go into professional theater if you haven't read every single book on theater that you can get your hands on, every single uh, play that you can get your hands on with a black character in it. Um, and if they want to know more about the new federal theater, they can Google it. <laughs> if that's what they do, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like 25 pages. That's all you have to read. 25 pages on who I am, who the new federal theater is, mm -hmm. and what we've done over the last 47 years. But I tell young actors, actresses, you cannot come into New York and work on the stage and only have done one play. You're coming into New York, you're you are uh, competing with Meryl Streep, who when she arrived in New York had done 150 plays. You can't, you can't come into New York and, oh God, I'm a professional actor, and you've done one play or two plays. It doesn't exist. You understand? Okay. So they need help from there are professors like you who know the terrain. They got, they can't be in competition. They got to listen. You know, some professors will give them addresses and people to get in touch with. You got to get in touch with them. Mm -hmm. Just can't, oh, throw it away. I'm going to go with this contact. Yeah. And that's what people do. Well, I'm going to try it on my own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have a curious question. Um, I've been rereading uh, Lindina's book on uh, Barbara Ann's here, yeah. and there's an entire chapter that I know that I'd read many years ago and, and had forgotten about, but about the debate about whether or not these national representations in these, these black theaters should be downtown or whether they should be in Harlem. Was there a specific, did you have a specific goal geographically? For the company? No, I, no, I didn't have no goal. It's like, I'm on 42nd Street, but I do all black plays. 
That's right. I was at Henry Street, a definitely Jewish um, uh, Eastern European Jews migrated to the Lower East Side in the turn of the century, and it was like slums. It was like tenement houses, and I started working there in 1970. Slums were still there, and the Jews now have moved into middle class and moved their sons and daughters now were in high finance, looking out for them, taking care of them. And uh, we did survival. We did a whole African thing. But it's not always like that. It doesn't matter whether they're doing the African festival uh, with Monaco's play Gangster and Jika and Survival and these other plays. It doesn't matter whether on the Lower East Side or doing a City Mali and Bozo's Theater in Harlem. It's the same, it's the same thing, you know? Mm -hmm. African Americans, as an audience, are everywhere. They are everywhere, and some people don't want to ride the subway. Some people <laughs> say it's a long ways out of the way. But, what, 100 seats, you can get 100 people. Mm -hmm. Couple times over, but you can't get you can't do it on Broadway and get two thousand people. Right. right. Yeah. My other question um, for you is: the your mission includes um, artists of color and women. Yeah. Why the inclusion of women? Because that's my uh, my journey. My journey is a house full of women uh, growing up, and that's what I know. And that's what I try to show, whether it's black girl or whether it's Jemima, or whether it's for color girls, whether it's what the wine sellers buy, a showdown time. Yes, there's a woman in the lead going through um, some sort of metamorphosis, beautiful things, um, going through some sort of metamorphosis and learning what. Uh, this journey led them to. And um, black girl, it leads this young girl who wants to be a dancer out of Houston into the dance world. There's nothing wrong with being a dancer. Mm -hmm. It leads uh, the beautiful woman in beautiful things through all of this Salvation may be in a soul of guy. She has she finds love. Okay, in uh, for colored girls, it's I found God in myself. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a search always. That search mm -hmm. is always there. You just got to know what you're searching for. And a lot of people don't know what they're searching for. Right. And if they don't know what they're searching for, they're lost. And that's why they come here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping to find the answer. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna thank you both very very yeah. much. For thank your you. time and thank you for speaking with me. Katie Sane. Oh. Karen Brown Sane. I don't know why she don't use Karen Brown. It is an understatement to say that Woody King is the most prolific African American director and producer our American theater has ever known. Woody's work with the New Federal Theater spans more than four decades. He's produced well over 5,000 performances of over 250 productions. 
He is also an author. Some of his books that have impacted my studies are The Impact of Race, New Plays for Black Theater, uh, Black Theater Present Condition, and the Black Drama Anthology, although he has written many others. He's been featured in the History Makers video oral history collection, and most recently is part of Theater Communication Group's Legacy Leaders of Color video project. Woody's video will be screened at the Black Theater Network's conference in Winston-Salem this year. If you won't be at BTN this summer, you can find a link to Woody's video at Black Theater History Podcast, which is www.blacktheaterhistory.com. This is the Black Theater History Podcast. I'm KB Sane. For more of the stories, the people, and the history, log on to blacktheaterpodcast.com. That's theater with an R-E. Our music is by Kaya Caterhurst from the album Nine Pin, which can be found on iTunes and wherever else fine music is sold. And while you're online, check out our Facebook page and subscribe to the Black Theater History Podcast. We've got a lot more to learn. Thanks for listening. <laughs>